0: Um, first thing is I'm glad we're in the midst of Steve's sabbatical. Like when I planned, did I tell you all this? When I planned on taking some time off from speaking, I was like, I have like this book project I'm working on for fun. And I was like, oh, I can finish it in May, but I'll probably finish it in May of like 2019 because that's how it is. So I was like, I'm going to take this time off anyways. And that's right where my job transitioned. And if not, I would have been dead. So those of you who have helped out and come from the pews to speak. I thought Jessica did amazing last week. I was blessed by her word. And uh, speaking of which, because some of you are like, there's this thing, you know, again, in some faith traditions, there's the lady stepping up to speak. It's a good tradition. When I was in seminary, there was a man, well, it wasn't even in seminary, but there was a seminary professor here in Cincinnati named Dan Einan, and he is the reason that uh, my family are Christians today, because he, I've told some of you this story too, is that he went to my grandfather who was not a christian who wouldn't let his kids go to church and said just because you want to go to hell doesn't mean your kids have to and my grandfather who was not a man of faith thought that was good rationale and because of that man saying that i'm a christian well as he was waning in his years i would go and sit with him because he had just his wife had passed away he had a daughter who was suffering from cancer so i would just hang out with him he would say the same things over and over again which he would say some things about like This girl he used to date in, like, you know, middle school, which was weird. But then he would always ask me. He would be like, Steve, are you preaching? And I was like, yes, sir, I'm out preaching. He goes, good. Never miss an opportunity to preach. If they ask you to go, you go, right? So the setup to all this story is that about 10 years ago, somebody out in Georgetown, Ohio said, Steve, will you come out and preach at this, like, college thing we're trying to start? You know, they even asked for my picture, and they put it on a flyer. And so I'm like, sure. I so I went all the way out to Georgetown, Ohio, and there might have been like 40 people there that night. Like, there was not a lot of people there. And I, so I spoke my heart. That was great. And I was like, okay. And then afterwards, this dude came up to me He said, so what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm starting a church town, in Cincinnati. He's like, I like the city. And he's like, maybe we'll show up. And that was Rob. Like, the one <laughs> redeemable thing from that night in a random place in Georgetown, Ohio is... Rob was there. Were you leading worship that night? Were you yeah. part of the... So you I, I, thought, I think
1: I was running like a spotlight or something. I remember being on a like a, like a scissor lift. That's hilarious. Um,
0: so it was just so random where you look back and it's like, why are, are those little
1: it. opportunities?
0: And if I had not said yes to that opportunity, then the G's wouldn't be part of this church. And almost everybody here now except Larry... They, you guys think the G's were just here from the very beginning, and it just happened that place. So the one thing is that I appreciate them. If you guys know where they live, you understand that they are the most dedicated people in this church. They have to pack a lunch just to get here every week. That's a good idea. But um, I've been blessed by them. I've been blessed by Rob's friendship, I think we're all going to be blessed by hearing him this morning. Amen? All right. Man. You rock it, brother. Okay.
1: You got to give that to Garrett. <laughs> well, that's loud. All right. Well, um, those of you who don't know me, um, I'm Rob, uh, Bible College dropout. Um, you're about to see why. <laughs> um, whoa! Wow! All right. You sure? <sighs> So, so this week, uh, I think it was Tuesday night, it was early in the morning, my wife woke me up and she's like, there is water all over the floor in our laundry room. And I was like, oh crap, this could be really bad. Um, I didn't, however, get out of bed and even look to see what it was. Um, I think that was probably wise. I just stayed in bed and let it fester and got up in the morning and discovered that our, our washing machine was loaded kind of out of balance. I'm not going to blame anybody for that. <laughs> and I don't know what new washer, washing machines do, but if it's like 30 years old like ours is, if it's out of balance, it'll just like shake like crazy, like violently. And some of them like have an alarm and they'll turn off, but this one doesn't apparently. Um, <laughs> And so it shook violently enough to break the laundry tub, the, the utility sink, loose from the drain. And so not... It wasn't like... Because I assumed it was just like the, the tub had just filled over... Like overflowed because somebody left a washcloth in there or something. But but no, it wasn't, it wasn't just the overflow. It was just like everything that was supposed to go down the drain just went right out onto the floor. And, and then... Um, so, so I, I waited until about Thursday to start really trying to fix it. I mean, I cleaned it up, of course. I didn't want like we cleaned it up. I, I didn't help all that much with that, but <sighs> waited until about Thursday to um, to to get working on like um, basically remodeling the la- laundry room because you know why not? <laughs> and uh, while I'm in the process of that, the the water department stops by. To, to let me know that we're under a boil water advisory, so so now we're, we don't. Now I can only drink beer because we don't have clean water. We're still under that advisory, so just letting you know. Um, <laughs> but I thought to myself, man, Job, right? Just like Job, terrible things happening. That's a joke, by the way, because um, <laughs> what happens to Job is just awful. And and I just thought it would be really fun to just try and just run through the whole book of Job this morning. Um, we got about thirty minutes. It's not as much of a joke as I was saying, but but the thing the thing about the book of Job is, theologically speaking, there's you know it asks the question of like why do good things happen to ba- or why do bad things happen to good people. It also asks why do good things happen to bad people, I think. Um, it, it talks about the problem of evil. But there's this other thing that happens in the book of Job that I kind of want to talk about. And it's, it's the community that takes place in the book of Job. So it's not really a theological thing as much as it is just like this thing that you see that happens. So we're going to kind of do like the movie trailer version of the book of Job. It's just a story. It's not like... There's 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 a lot in there, but there doesn't have to be a lot in there. It's it's just a quick story, really. So just start with God shows up or no, God's having a party apparently. The angels, Satan kinda shows up to this party. I don't know if he's invited or not. And and they like make a bet. They make a wager. Like, do you think Job will So anyway, um Garrett. Can you read uh, chapter 1, verse 9 through 12? Come on, quick. Do it. Oh, I don't know. 360.
2: 360. We're on okay. 360. Um, oh, it is. isn't. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You've blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and surely he will curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Okay, so so basically the question Satan asks God is,
1: is does Job only love you because you've given him everything. And backstory for those of you who haven't read the book of Job, Job's wealthy, like super Donald Trump wealthy. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's got everything. And so, essentially, God tells Satan, I don't think that I buy love. He says, I'm willing to bet that Job will still love me if you take it all. And so Satan does Robbers come in; they steal his entire flock of oxen and donkeys. His fire from the sky comes and consumes his sheep. This is all crazy stuff. That um, more robbers come in; they steal all of his camels. Also, for whatever reason, they kill all of Job's servants, except for one guy. In every case, they come back. Um, and then this is this is this is the worst one, I think. He, he, sends, he sends wind and blows over the house that all of Job's kids are partying at. And so they're all dead, except for one servant, of course. Comes back, tells God, or tells Job all the terrible stuff that's happened. So, and Job still doesn't curse God at this. And, and Satan's like, Yeah, but, but you didn't hurt Job. You just took his friends. And so God's like, Well, fine. Don't kill him, but you can hurt him. And so then Job is covered in sores, head to toe. And he's just miserable. And his wonderful wife comes to him and says, why don't you just curse God and die? And Job doesn't, because he loves God. Um, And then Job's friends show up. Job's friends are, they're a mixed bag. But we're going to go ahead and read um, chapter 2, verses 12 through 15. I'm sorry, 12 and 13. That makes more sense. It There's makes not a lot more sense. in my yeah. Bible.
2: But I was gonna go for it. When they saw Think him. About my handwriting. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. They sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Okay, so this is one of my favorite
1: parts in the book. And when you get towards the end, there's, there's a, maybe a little bit of theological stuff in here where, like, this is why God doesn't destroy his friends, because you'll, you'll kind of want him to. But, but they sat with Job for seven days and seven nights, totally silent, waiting for Job to speak. Um, you know, Job is in unimaginable suffering right now. And, and this is, like, I think this is really key because too often we try to be like, "Oh man, I'm sorry that happened to you." Like, what can I do? It's like, really, what you can do is just sit and and be ready to to comfort a person. So so that that's really cool. But then they go on to do some not super cool stuff. So this this is going to be a. This is going to be kind of a large chunk, and we're going to jump around, because we're just going to, I'm just going to take a, a little snippet out of each one of their speeches when they decide to talk to Job, and they open their mouths, and we get to see what they say. All right, so um, chapter 4, 7 through 9.
2: Consider now who, being innocent, has ever perished. Where were the upright ever destroyed? As I have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. At the breath of God, they perish. At the blast of his anger, they are no more. Okay, chapter 8, 4 through 7. When your children sinned against him, he gave them over to the penalty of their sin. But if you will seek God earnestly and plead with the Almighty... If you are pure and upright, even now he will rouse himself on your behalf and restore you to your prosperous state. Your beginnings will seem humble, so prosperous will your future be. And then go to chapter 11, 13 through 20. Yet if you devote your heart to him and stretch out your hands to him, if you put away the sin that is in your hand and allow no evil to dwell in your tent... Then, free of fault, you will lift up your face. You will stand firm and without fear. You will surely forget your trouble, recalling it only as waters gone by. Life will be brighter than noonday, and darkness will become like morning. You will be secure because there is hope. You will look about you and take your rest in safety. You will lie down with no one to make you afraid, and many will court your favor. But the eyes of the wicked will fail, and escape will elude them. Their hope will become a dying gasp.
1: Okay, so so what's happening here, and, and we're skipping over the things that Job says. I'm going to give you, Job essentially just says, I'm innocent. And he also says, um, he wishes he would nev- was never born and things like that. He's just sad. Um, and rightfully so, I think. But but what we're doing is, is we're looking at what the friends say, and what the friends essentially say is, Job, you're a sinner. You need to repent, and then God will give you everything back. And we all know that's true, right? When we repent of our sins, we get we get every, everything. Um, that's not true. They're they're and they're, what they're doing is they're they're speaking this pretty common theology. That, that we even see today, which is the idea that, like, like prosperity comes from God because of something we do. And and the book of Job is the story that that's not the case. So, I, I want to point that out, and we'll get back to it. So, now we're going to go to where, where God speaks. Because this is... God shows up in the story. And if, if you've read the story, it's, it's kind of crazy. But, but let's just, let's just hear the, the beginning of what God says. Um, chapter 38, 1 through 3.
2: Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I question you, and you shall answer me.
1: Okay, yeah. So, so then God goes on to question Job with, like, I think it's just a lot of rhetorical questions. Like, no one expects Job to be able to answer these questions. And God doesn't ever really say anything about, he doesn't say anything about this, like, Satan and God bet that happened earlier. He doesn't, doesn't say anything. He just says, I'm super powerful. Here I am. That's that's all he says, and I I've always found that kind of puzzling. But then when I think about that that idea of like like where does God buy our love, that sort of thing. Um, last week at Bible study, Larry told this this really really great story because we were kind of talking about Job a little bit. He tells a story about his brother's um, condo in Florida. And so he's got this condo on a beach in Florida and there's a hurricane headed towards it. And so he's not there. It's a you know, it's a condo in Florida. He's back in Cincinnati, I'm assuming or wherever he lived at the time, but he you know, it's an empty condo sitting in Florida. Sure it's valuable. But and there's a hurricane headed towards it. And like everybody is praying that the hurricane doesn't hit the condo that it's that everything will be okay. And and then like the morning that the storm's supposed to hit it changes trajectory, and it hits... Did St. Petersburg, is that where it hit? Fort Myers. Fort Myers. Okay. So so it changes trajectory and hits another city. And, like, at the start of it, you're like, oh, man, God answered our prayers. But then it's like, did he? Is it okay if that's, like, if that's true? If God is like, yeah, you know, you, you prayed. You're good. I'm going to save you at these other people's costs. So, so like, I think that it really, it's just really important that we think about the idea that, like, that stuff happens. Bad stuff happens to everybody. Good stuff happens to everybody. It rains on the, the wicked and the good alike. Um, so, so, with all that, we're, we're going to come back and we're going to finally hear what Job has to say. Um, not... What, what Job has to say to God. So we're going to go to um, chapter 42, 1 through 6.
2: Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is it that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. So, here in the
1: story, and if you know the story of Job, you know that it goes on in the epilogue, where God, like, basically gives everything back tenfold. He he, He becomes wealthy again. He gets... His family, he, he gets seven more sons and three more daughters, and and he lives a long, prosperous life. But what's interesting is Job sees God's wisdom and, and he sees his place in the universe before God pays him for his his participation in this story. Job is is like he's okay with it because he saw God. And that that brought him to to that um, so what can we do with this and And like I said before, I think this is an interesting story about community, not because it really happens in the story, but because it could happen in the story, because we all have people in our lives that are suffering and going through things and we all have the opportunity to either either play the Job's friends card of, of saying, Well, this is clearly something you did. Repent. Turn around, find Jesus, it'll be okay. But but that's not what we should do. We should, we should look at what Job's friends did first, which is sit and, and and have empathy for that person, and to recognize that in the story of Job. The bad stuff happens to job and it 's not his fault, just like bad stuff happens to everybody and it 's not their fault Some of it could be their fault, but generally speaking the bad stuff is not a person 's fault um, so we're we're doing this like we're we 're talking in the church about like you know how we how we move forward and and the and you know how do we grow as a church and and what kind of things can we do and I think that that we all agree that it's really important that that like our teaching is is important our our worship service is important our our small groups Bible studies they're important but then when it comes down to like you know getting involved in the community and what can we do? I know that like like we used to do a soup kitchen we didn't run a soup kitchen, but we would volunteer at it and and it it was nice. And it was good, but it, it didn't kind of, it, it kind of died off. And, like, I don't know totally the reason why it died off, but I, I know that, like, me personally, I struggled with the soup kitchen because it always felt like we were putting ourselves in a position that was higher than those people that needed the soup kitchen. And that's just how a soup kitchen works. You're, you're, all, like, you're, a ser- you're serving food to people that need instead of, like, eating food with people in need. And like bringing ourselves to them, and so I just got to thinking about like, like what kind of what kind of things can we do, and and it's it's more than like what can the church do to be involved in the community, and it's it's what can we personally do to be involved in our own communities and the people around us. How can we how can we make ourselves available to people that are suffering? So, with that, I'm going to do something a little bit different, and it's why I was racing through this, to try and get through this. What I'm going to encourage you to do is get in, like, groups of... i don't. There's a lot more people than I expected to be, but get in groups of, like, three or four people. And I want you to get in groups of people that... Find the people that you know the least. And get in groups, and you're going to just talk about... And ask the questions like, like, where, like, where in your life do you see a need? But more importantly, where, what kind of things do you think that you can do, that you can start, or that you can be involved in, that already exists in your community, that allows you to be in a position to be open to other people that you maybe don't know? For example, like, I've been thinking about the fact that, like, I, I love riding bicycles. Um, it's, like, a passion of mine. But I do most of that alone. I don't ever ride bicycles with other people. And I thought, like, oh, what would be cool is to maybe start, like, a Saturday morning group ride or maybe a Wednesday night group ride, at least during the summer while it's still light between, like, 6 and 8 o'clock. It's, like, and those things, it's not, that's not really a thing that, like, on its own makes anybody's life better but it's a thing that like allows us to have conversations with other people so again split up into groups with people that you know the least and kind of talk about that brainstorm come up with ideas and just kind of think about the things that you can do